This week, we'll talk about the kinky pleasure that can be derived from beauty products. We'll talk about the ins and outs of spanking. And we'll answer a question from someone who absolutely loves bruises, but has a low pain tolerance. Ooh. Welcome to Leather and Love, a podcast devoted to the intersection between kink and other parts of your life. On this show, we demystify the kink world by talking about the ways in which kink and the mainstream can coexist. I'm Miss Aurora. And I'm Miss Teresa. Leather and Love. We always like to start the show with a pervertible or an everyday household item you can turn into a kink toy because, frankly, we're cheap. (laughs) And if you've got something useful for kink play lying around your house, you may as well use it, right? Seriously. I mean, why go spend the money? A member of our Incredible Girl community brought up the fact that they like to incorporate the use of a stiff makeup brush in their kink play, which made us decide to talk about the wonderful world of beauty and bath products. (laughs) Woohoo! They're not just for a spa day. No, they're not. What are some things that we can think of that that include beauty products in in play? Yeah, well, I mean, specifically, I think this particular community member was talking about them in terms of impact play. Mm-hmm. Depending on the size of the brush, if you have like a big, like a, a, a blush brush, which tends to be the biggest brush, that's really good for, for thwacking. Also, if it's a stiff brush, uh, it's good for scratching as well. I know you have mm-hmm. an affinity for a different kind of scratchy <laughs> brush. Um, why don't you talk about the bath brush? Right, the, the bathtub brush. You know those ones where you scratch your back with and you soap it all up? We did a video. We actually did a pervertible video on this pervertible toy, and you should find it on our YouTube page because it's actually pretty funny if I yeah. <laughs> say so myself. <laughs> I know. She's totally in character as Incredible Girl and uh, going to town with that uh, bath brush. But what I liked about it is that it was really versatile. Like, again, it's mm-hmm. it's big enough to be used as a spanking implement, but also really scratchy. So you can kind of rub it on someone's skin and, and really get some intense sensations going. Mm-hmm. And you can use that anywhere, really. It also feels good. It's kind of like getting your back scratched. Yeah. Oh, like a back scratcher. I mean, kind of same deal. Definitely. I mean, th- those are kind of the best kink toys is that you can give pleasure and pain at the same time, depending on how you use it. Like you can you can give them the reward of a good sensation. And then if they're bad, you can scratch the fuck out of them. <laughs> yeah. And you can do that with, with just a regular hairbrush, too. Oh, yeah. But makeup brushes don't have to just be used for for impact or even for for scratching or or sensation play. You can kind of use them in role play too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could use them in cross dressing. Yeah. If you're literally using it to put on makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, maybe it's something you you use on your on someone you're playing with that you have a scene with. Yeah, there's a a contingent on the cross dressing spectrum in kink where you would do forced feminization, Mm -hmm. uh, where you would generally take a cisgender male slave and force them to dress up like in a more effeminate way. So you would be putting makeup on them and dressing them in feminine clothing to kind of play with gender a little bit in a way that is designed for humiliation. But in a way that they like, obviously, they're coming to you for that. But like, so you'd be putting makeup on them. Or maybe you would have them putting makeup on you in a mm. in some Roll. kind of role play. Mm-hmm. 
They could be your hairdresser or your makeup artist. Yeah, and that's a, a great way, especially for if you, you do lifestyle. A service du- sub. Yeah. If that's something you know how to do, you can help a woman put on her makeup because she doesn't want to, or you have a good eye for mm-hmm. design or something, you should have that in, in your wheelhouse, I think. Definitely. Actually, why don't you, um, we talked about service top at one point, but uh, a service sub, which seems like it should be self-explanatory, but why don't you talk a little bit about like a lifestyle kind of service sub some people just really want to be of service and often I mean I've seen this a lot with subs they they just want the attention I mean that's really what it's about is like they want to be helpful and they want to to have your attention excuse the dog again oh yeah so I think service subs really get off get off um (laughs) really like the attention um so if they can be helpful and that makes them feel good or feel included or a part of things you know them wanting or getting your attention that way can be a turn on just for having attention literally I've had subs over just doing work like I ask them to some some guy take out the trash um, somebody cleaned my bathroom floor, and all it was was they wanted me to watch them. That's it. Yeah. And they're just doing service-oriented things. I have a, another sub that sometimes comes over, and he brings tea and muffins, and then he gives me a foot rub. And that's yeah. that's all it is, and it's fun. Yeah. No, and, and this is genuinely – like, if you are a, a sub deep in your soul, giving service in that way is, is like, your primary function. It's, like, your, your mission, and uh, – it can be sexual or not, but it's like it's 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 a part of your makeup. And generally a sub just wants to do that and wants somebody to allow them to do that, which it's interesting because a lot of that makes a lot of people uncomfortable because, you know, they don't want to feel like they're taking advantage and stuff like that, which is why we're going to get into this in a future episode. But we'll talk about specifically what a professional dominatrix does, because sometimes, you know, it might be hard to find the the right kind of casual dom for you who would want something like that regularly. So you might have to hire someone to be of service to. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that in another time. But this is something, too, that uh, I brought up the term lifestyle. And I just want to be clear about what that means and what the difference is. So generally, there are, are two kind of overarching ways to be engaged in kink. It could be casual, where you generally only do it once in a while sometimes with a partner you might go to a play party at a uh, at a dungeon or you know any other kind of sex related <laughs> festivities um and engage in it once in a while and it's something you do it's like a thing in your wheelhouse you enjoy it etc but then there are lifestyle players who basically they live this 24/7 so they are a dom or they are a sub all the time so even at their day job at their you know, at home, they, they might live together. A dom and a sub might be engaged in that relationship and they, they might be dating each other long term or not even be dating, but just have that dom-sub relationship all the time. Now, this doesn't mean that they're going to work at their office in their leather outfits and like all of that good stuff. What it means, though, is that very often they will have, you know, a contract with a, with a dom or a sub like between them to kind of set the parameters of what that relationship looks like day to day. So like, even if a sub is not dressed in their sub kink attire at work, they might have a collar on under their clothes. Mm -hmm. Uh, They might have some other piece of jewelry that means that they belong to their dom. They might have to do certain tasks during the day 
in addition to their regular day-to-day life for their dom. And the dom in return might do certain things for their sub during the day as part of their agreements. And it's more of a concrete kind of long-term relationship. So depending on how deep you want to get into your kink play, you can just kind of keep it casual. Or if you find somebody that you really love playing with, you might take it to the next level and make it more of a lifestyle choice for yourself. I know a sub who just wants somebody to check in on her. That's it. That's all. She just, she likes the feeling that somebody's thinking about her periodically and that's all it takes. Like, hmm. so it doesn't have to be complex or complicated or even kinky. It's just like, oh, somebody cares about me. Yeah. You know, like I have a friend or I have somebody who's, who's putting enough thought into me that they care to check in on me. Yeah. And that's all it is. That's what makes her happy. Totally. And that's a lot of what there's like a lot of misunderstanding around the dom-sub relationship. Um, to be the dominant person, very often what they are giving to their sub is that care. It's mm-hmm. like, I I care about you enough to make decisions for you mm-hmm. and to to kind of keep you safe and to set up these boundaries so that you can just feel free to let go in the space. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of care that goes into that. And after you play, like, you know, there's aftercare. I was just thinking about that. Uh, Yeah. Have we talked about that before? I'm not sure we have. Yeah. Why don't Uh -uh. you go into that? So aftercare is um, after you've had a scene with somebody or played with somebody, especially if it's an intense scene and you go to places that are vulnerable. Aftercare is when you do something nice for your sub. The, The dom usually will sort of be accessible in a different kind of way which is in a more caring like in a more standardized caring way so if you have an impact scene or something where where your dom's been beating up on you then afterwards maybe your dom cuddles with you for a bit or brings you water or food or gives you a little like neck massage or something but something that sort of like wraps up the situation so that there are no loose ends that could possibly be hanging but everybody feels taken care of aftercare is not just for the sub it's also for the dom as well like yeah you kind Mm -hmm. of between you 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 each kind of and this would be discussed in advance you kind of explain like okay after the scene i need x y and z and then you just kind of make sure that that happens for each other and the sub is generally in a more vulnerable place at the end of a scene But, you know, I I bring up doms needing aftercare, too, because, you know, they're putting a lot of energy and thought and and um, intensity Mm. into the scene that they're providing. And you get tired. You get tired flogging. You get tired. Mm. It's not especially if you're doing like a long scene, you need care as well as a dom. And so it's important that both subs and doms that they're clear about what they need afterwards. And and this comes with experience and time and stuff. Like you get mm-hmm. to know yourself and how you respond to scenes like that. But after a while, you kind of get a sense for, okay, I know that after I've been spanked a lot, I need X, Y, and Z to cool down. I need I need of, some ice on my booty. I need some <laughs> ice on my booty. I need, you know, water. I need ice cream. I need hugs. I need to be right a bedtime story, whatever it is. Um... To, to ask for that and, and that that's okay and that everybody uh, should get what they need afterwards. Because it is a very caring, intimate relationship, despite all the violence and pain that is sometimes associated with it. It's there's it's always done with a sense of love and care. It should be anyway. And it I, should be. I, I think most of the the experiences that 
that we have had have have had that undercurrent is that people respect each other. This is about give and take and having a mutually satisfied experience. Yeah, for sure. So I just thought about top space, mm. which is because we have talked about subspace before. Yeah. Top space is I think it's similar to subspace in that like if you've ever meditated, that's a really good, I think, comparison to either one of them, which is you get into the zone. Mm-hmm. It's like a zone that you find yourself in where you can lose yourself, where you, you're in the flow. Yeah. So when you come out of that, sometimes it's jarring, whether you're in subspace or top space. But it's like, oh, that just broke. That just finished. Because that always feels good whenever you're in the flow. So finding your way back to a normal real space where yeah. you're not in that sort of like heightened sense of of focus a- and relaxation and feel goods yeah can be a transition yeah for sure mm-hmm. and as a dom you're doing a lot you're not only focusing on the role or the scene that you're doing but you're also focusing on safety so you're 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 tracking a lot of of different things at once whereas the sub is kind of freer to just let go that's what you're offering them the dom doesn't have that luxury so on top of playing a role on top of making the scene realistic and creative and whatever you're also making sure that the knots can come untied you're also making sure that you're not hitting too hard or too softly you're making Mm. sure that you're using the right implements at the right time and it's a lot of choreography and a lot of like coordination that you're keeping track of that when the scene is over you're coming down from that level of thinking and and like Mm. being in it so Mm -hmm. um it's a lot (laughs) yeah it can be a lot. And, and and really, in the end, and this is something that I, I think I heard early on and, and now I get it, is that really the sub is in control. The sub is the one who's actually getting, I, mean, I don't want to say getting a lot of the benefit because y- you each are having your own experiences and you're drawn to what you're doing for particular <laughs> reasons, but the sub is the one who's in charge, ultimately. Shall we go to spanking? Yes, we promised the people... A discussion on spanking, and so that is what we shall have. Yeah. Um, I found a really good infographic on spanking areas on the buttocks that I've posted on our Facebook page a while back. Maybe I'll repost it. Yeah, and we could post it on Instagram as well. Cool, yeah. But why don't you walk us through the the general areas? So when you're spanking somebody on the bottom, you want to keep to the, the fleshiest part of the butt cheeks, which is sort of like the bottom part of the butt the the uh like the apple bottom um (laughs) unless you're (laughs) pear-shaped whatever fruit you're shaped like you want the biggest part of the fruit so the fleshiest part of the bottom is where you hit you can also hit the upper thighs and you want to avoid going on the top part of the 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 bum meaning like Getting into lower back area, you want to avoid. So don't hit the sacrum, don't hit the spine, but you can hit the the cheeks. Yeah, the cheekies. And depending on <laughs> what your uh, what the person receiving likes, sometimes you know, again, depending on on what their pain threshold is, what uh, what kind of sensation they like. We talk, we've talked about thuddy, and we've talked about stingy. So you can also kind of go under the butt cheek to the part like between the cheek and the the upper thigh the crease the crease that little crevasse there not in the butt like that's a whole other show but um uh, like uh, under the cheeks like in that that fold because that's a very like if you 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 know 
thwap somebody there, that's a very stingy spot. So you can play around with that if somebody really likes stingy sensations. Mm-hmm. So you want to focus on the the fleshiest part. You also want to, depending on what you're using, whether you're using a flogger, which has tails that can go everywhere, or you're using a paddle, which is kind of more concentrated, or whether you're using a cane, you want to obviously be paying attention to where that is hitting. If you're using your hand, it's easier to control because it's your hand. You know exactly where that is and where your fingers are at all times. But if you're using an implement, you want to make sure that you are aiming in a very focused manner. And there are, there are workshops you can do. If you, mm-hmm. you talk to your local dungeon, there are, are workshops and classes where you can practice and kind of get better at that. But whenever you're using implements, you should also you should always try to be as safe as possible with that implement so you're not just going at it willy-nilly and just thwacking everywhere. Yeah, if you're using a flogger or something that has like a like a whip mechanism, there's something called wraparound, which can be really painful. So if you don't hit quite in the right spot on the butt cheek with the tip of the of the instrument, it can wrap around the hip and the side and doesn't feel good. And plus, if you're hitting bone, that's that's not a great... <coughs> So we're both getting over colds, y'all, so there's going to be coughing happening. <laughs> yeah. But. But. Um, so that's one thing to watch out for. So, And when you're when you're spanking somebody or hitting somebody, know that you want to start lightly. Like, you don't want to just start pounding somebody. You want to start in a place that allows somebody to, to warm up to the experience. And then as as time moves on, you can get heavier and heavier with your with your impact play. And also, if you're using your hand, you can hit with a flat hand or you can hit with a cupped hand. And if you hit with a cupped hand, it actually saves your hand. You can hit a lot longer because you're not making as much contact with with your, your bottom. And it makes a nice little cupping noise. Yeah. <laughs> but if you watch people spanking other people, you'll see there's all kinds of techniques. Some people, and people have been doing it for a really long time, they just go in and they make it really fluid. Um, It becomes sort of this dance-like thing, which is kind of really beautiful to watch. But when you're just starting out, you know, start light. Like, ease your sub in. Don't just start nailing them hard because that's not going to feel good. If you hit in one spot over and over and over again, it hurts a lot more. So it's really beneficial so that your sub can actually, like, hang in there longer and have a better experience if you – there's a plane – if you hit from – from one cheek to the next and go back and forth or and mix it up with the thighs too. Or if you're going for the upper back at all, then the shoulder blades, remember, don't do the spine or the kidneys, avoid that, but the shoulder blades as well. Mix it up so that they're not getting all the sensation in one spot in their body. You can also play with pleasure. So use your nails to scratch a little bit and that feels good or blow the area or... Yeah, I was going to say alternating sensations is a great idea. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about warming somebody up, it's not necessarily just warming them up with like starting with softer taps and hitting harder, but also like getting the blood flowing in that area. You don't want to start cold. So maybe like rub your hands together and just kind of warm their butt up a little bit. Like before you even like you're kind of rubbing it, you're kind of bringing sensation to that area to get them ready for what's going to be happening. Also, even a precursor to that is, you know, I know some some doms have rituals that they go through with their subs every time they play mm-hmm. so that it becomes this sort of safe, safe spot that they create and everybody can be on the same page. And it might just simply be having 
30 seconds of intense eye contact before you start, Mm -hmm. you know, but like these little things that help everybody drop in and understand, okay, we're going to go to this space and it's a nice little bridge or precursor into um, starting a scene. If you're interested in being the dominant person uh, in a scenario and you want to spank, generally it's a good idea to to work your way up through implements. So like starting with your hand, then moving up to, let's say, a small paddle, then moving up to, you know, whatever your heaviest thing is that you're planning on using in a scene to kind of work your way up to that. And that's where, for a dominant, like, the that's where the planning comes in. You want to kind of design a scene so that it's the best and the safest for your sub and kind of walks them through, like, a parade of feelings and sensations. Like, you're you're kind of giving them the, the range of stuff, but you don't want to start with, like, your heaviest paddle right away. So it's like, okay, first I'm going to, you know, spank you with my hand for a second, then maybe with a ruler, then maybe with a cane. And then it's like, ooh. Um, and it's like, I know where we're going. Or maybe they, they don't know where, where you're going, but you have to. Mm. Um, and you have to kind of plan that out. It's good to plan it out well in advance. I mean, there's some spontaneity that you can obviously bring in there, but you kind of have to, you obviously have to know more than your sub does um, as far as where this is going, what the journey is that you're taking them on. But the other thing, too, to be aware of is that, you know, when a sub is in subspace, sometimes their instinct is to tell you, yeah, this is great. Keep going. Keep going. You really need to be paying attention to the marks on their body as well, because if they're getting really red, if you you might be on the verge of breaking skin, if you are like you as the dom need to know when to pull back for their own safety, because sometimes it's it's kind of like, I mean, it's not like being drunk, but it's it's you're you're in a trance state. You're in a like Aurora said, it's like meditation, you're in it. And so you might not be in the best position to gauge and your instinct as a sub is to serve. So you're like, yeah, sure, do it, do it. And it's like, sometimes a dom has to be like, "Mm, the scene is going to stop now. (laughs) We're going to slow it down. We're going to take it back because for your own safety and in your best interest, I am not going to do what you're asking in this case. Um. Because some subs want to just prove how much they can take. And it's like, that's not what this is about. Like, let's not break your body. I need you tomorrow so I can spank you again. (laughs) Hey, let's talk about um, this question from Reddit. We found a question from GeminiJoy76. And they asked, it's been almost a year since I began exploring my kinky side and my Significant other helped me a lot to find my way through it. Anyway, I found out with many other things that I love being marked as his own and see the consequences of it later. Bruises on my ass, breast, hickeys. But my pain tolerance isn't that high, so I easily switch from absolutely loving the pain inflicted to feeling it in a bad way. So I thought that I probably wasn't the only one in that case and that I could find advice here. What could we use as tools and or what could I do to work on my pain tolerance? I mean, is there anything I could do to increase it? I really liked you. We were talking before we recorded about uh, something that you had heard and that you've, you've since incorporated for that reason. First of all, this won't necessarily take care of it all. But if you sort of make the psychological switch from looking at it as pain to a range of sensation, a spectrum of sensation, that might help. Because I think when we think of pain, we think, ah, I need to recoil. That's like your body's 
It's an instinct. Instinct is like, ooh, that, you know, that doesn't feel good, recoil. If you use the word sensation rather than pain, you can sort of play with intensity. It's a spectrum of intensity. So if I, like one time I decided to play with this. I burnt myself on the oven, my finger. And it was, I was like, oh my God, this is unbearable. I can't stand it. It hurts like a bitch. And so I started looking up some remedies online or something <clears throat> to see if there's anything I could do. And I stumbled across this article about changing your mindset about pain and turning it into sensation and that you can actually control pain with your mind. And I was like, really? But I decided to try it and I was like, okay, so instead of feeling like, ah, this hurts and, and pushing it away and being like, I don't want this, I went into it, which just means I accepted the fact that there was a really intense sensation on my finger and that it was uncomfortable and that I didn't like it. Like I just sat with it and I was like, wow. And then I asked myself, can I turn up the volume on this? Like, can I make this more intense with my mind? And so I was like, all right, I'm going to make it more intense. And then I I did. I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, I actually am so focused on this pain. But I'm, like, accepting that it's there instead of, like, fighting against it. And it, I actually became able to kind of transform my experience with it. Mm. So I made it really intense. And then it got so intense that it almost stopped hurting. And it became way more manageable for me. So what I'm saying is if you're having sort of this this quandary within yourself, maybe something to do is some psychological work and start playing with sensation and intensity rather than pain because it'll open yourself up, I think, to a different experience with what you're experiencing. Yeah, I actually really like uh, the phrase you used, um, going into it, Mm -hmm. rather than recoiling from it. Like, kind of exploring it, just being really curious about, what am I feeling? It's almost as if, like, you're an alien in your own body, and you're, like, you're you're arriving at your body for the first Mm. time. You're like, what does this feel like? Like, pretend it's not yours for the moment, and just be like, oh, that's a feeling. I've never felt that before. What is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you're, you're kind of able to see it in a different way. Obviously... There's some some real like physical things as far as like bruises versus pain. Like I know, for example, I can take a lot of like thuddy pain, like you can hit me pretty hard and I won't feel the pain, but I bruise really easily. And a lot of that has to do with like diet and stuff like that, too. Like if you're you're not getting certain vitamins, you tend to bruise more easily than you do if, if you don't. Hmm. Well, don't you learn so, something every day? I didn't yeah, know yeah, yeah. No, it's I, I mean, it, yeah, how you how you bruise can be determined by by what you eat. And I don't know this person, so I I can't, you know, be like, eat more oranges and then you'll bruise better. I don't know. But like, or eat fewer oranges and then you'll bruise better. Um, But uh, so there is that discovery to make about yourself too, is like, because this person seems to like the bruising, but is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, wants to stay away from the pain. So it's like, explore with your significant other since they've been kind of, you've been exploring this together is how much does it take to leave a bruise versus how much pain can you take? Because if the bruises are all you want and the mark is all you want, then you might be able to get that from a less impactful activity. Yeah, that's a thought. You can't magically overnight change your pain threshold, but there are ways you can kind of explore that and, and test out the sensations to find out what works for you. Is that it? 
I think that's it. That's I think it. We've, we've rambled a lot. We did ramble a lot. Leather and Love is brought to you by Incredible Girl the Series and Pominock Entertainment. We are your hostesses with the mostesses. I'm Miss Teresa. And I'm Miss Aurora. Shoot us an email with your thoughts and ideas about the show at incrediblegirlseries at gmail.com. Find us at IG Series and at our website, igseries.com. You can also visit Pominock Entertainment at pominockentertainment.com or find us on all socials at Team Pominock. That's P-O-M-O-N-O-K. See you next week on Leather and Love, a podcast for everyday kinksters. Bye.